we were doing everything for him. And then he transitioned to Wilderness and Tilos, but he did not get practice cooking his own meals, going to the grocery store, figuring out what he needs. He's currently in sober living in Utah. And then he's also working and he's trying to balance out a schedule, like make his appointments, organize everything, go to his doctors. The, the mom in me wants to like come in and give him ideas and help him fix it and and tell him what to do. And, and then the part of me that's been on this journey and learning more knows, okay, maybe that's not going to be helpful, pull back. But I feel that push-pull within me. And so really trying to navigate through that has just been messy. It's been really messy. You're listening to Hope Stream, the place for those parenting teens and young adults who are misusing drugs and alcohol in a treatment program or working their way toward recovery. It's your private space to learn and to gain encouragement and understanding from me, your host, Brenda Zane. I'm fellow parent to a child who struggled and I'm so glad you're here. To learn more about all the resources available to you besides the podcast, please head over to hopestreamcommunity.org. Hey there, so glad you're here today. We are back with a new coaching episode. These are really cool because you get to hear straight from someone who may be in very similar shoes to you about something that they're struggling with or change that they are looking to make in themselves. And then we just work through it together. I met Alice in February of 2022 when she joined the stream community, and I clearly remember the look of fear and anxiety in her eyes when she would join us on calls. And it is now incredible to see her and talk through the things that she shares in this conversation because she's had tremendous growth and development in her parenting and also just in how she thinks and navigates life. Before we dive in, I will share that if you have been on the fence about joining Hopestream community, and specifically if you identify as a mom, stepmom, or a female caregiver or co-parent, and you want to come and hang out with me and Kathy and people like Alice at our signature fall retreat, now is the time. This is the sign that you have been waiting for. If you're listening in real time, which is August of 2023, We are less than two months away from Restoration Mom Retreat, which takes place in Park City, Utah, and it would take another 20 minutes for me to describe how incredible and healing this retreat is, so I won't do that. Just trust me that we have so much fun. We don't focus on our kids or addiction. It's a time when we just really let you receive, because if you're like the rest of us, all you do all day every day is give, 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 give. So this is a time when you get to receive amazing food, fun activities. We have meaningful group sessions. It's just literally the healing power of community come to life. I'll leave it at that. You can learn more at hopestreamcommunity.org forward slash retreats. Okay, this is a beautiful and real conversation. Alice received a phone call from her son about 10 minutes before we spoke. And that fueled some of what we covered. So take a listen, and I'll see you on the other side. Good morning, Alice. How are you doing today? Good morning. I'm good. Good to be here. Good. 
We did a coaching episode at the beginning of your journey, and I love doing a follow-up. I was thinking that that might be a good thing to do is just to check in with people who we've done coaching episodes with, because it's kind of like a cliffhanger, right? It's like, what happened? <laughs> so, so you've been on um, quite a roller coaster ride since we last talked. So why don't you just catch us up? And if you're listening and you want to listen to the first part of this, you're going to look for the episode, the coaching episode with Lynn. I'll put in the um, show notes, the the episode number. I can't remember what number it is, but I'll put that in. So if you want to kind of get part one, you could listen to that. So why don't you just give us a little snapshot of where things stand today, and then we'll dive into what you want to get some coaching on. Sure, sure. So when we when the first coaching episode I was on was the panel. I was on the with the panel. We're in the middle, but in the beginning of his recovery part of his journey. We were in the middle of his addiction. He was kind of in the throes of it. Um, and at that point, I was just learning invitation to change and just beginning to learn a different way to um, communicate with him. And I felt like that was super helpful. And his dad, who couldn't be here today, who was going to try to be here, but couldn't be here today, um, I was kind of filling him in. Um, now he's a member of the woods, but before, um, I was filling him in as to invitation to change and different ways to communicate. And so we were both kind of getting on the same page, trying to change the way that we interacted with Jake. And I believe, we don't know for sure, but I really believe that, that was an open door that, and amongst other things, to get him to be open to treatment. Um, he decided on his own, he came to us and, and, and said, I know I need treatment. And we had already been in the works working with an education consultant. So um, we already had everything kind of set up. And so then he went to wilderness for a couple months. And then he went to a therapeutic boarding school for about 11 and a half months. And he recently discharged in July. Um, he turned 18 July 11th. And he discharged July 12th. Actually, I went and, and helped him transition. Now he's currently in sober living in Utah. So why I'm here today now that he's 18, he's doing, and he's living in sober living, which is a pet independent living. He's doing some more adulting, which is new and different for him. He's, you know, going to the grocery store, making his own food, balancing out work and school and IOP. He's doing IOP four times a week. So he's just, he's really in it. And where I'm starting to kind of like navigate through and feel like it's like a push pull is how much do I come in and, and be pre, um, part of his journey? And then how much do I give him space and respect his space as an adult now? And we actually just got off the phone about five minutes ago. <laughs> so it's perfect timing. Good timing. <laughs> it's exactly. It's perfect timing. And he recently got a couple tickets, car tickets, uh, speeding tickets. So he got one let me see, a week or two ago, and he called us about it. And then he got another one. It, I felt like the conversation went pretty smooth. Um, I kind of laughed with him. Um, and I just said, it's going to get kind of expensive. And uh, he was able to share that he's feeling overwhelmed with trying to balance it all and juggling it all. And I felt like we were able to have a conversation where I could validate him and we could really talk about it, but I guess I'm just wanting to know because, you know, the, the mom in me wants to like 
come in and give him ideas and help him fix it and and tell him what to do and and then the part of me that's been on this journey and learning more knows okay maybe that's not going to be helpful pull back and but i feel that push pull within me and so really trying to navigate through that has just been messy yeah it's been really messy and i have naturally high anxiety and so that's in the mix too because why not right (laughs) why not throw just something else in there exactly well, um, I know you've done so much work uh, since you joined the community. And, you know, it's one thing to take classes. And, and as you know, like you take the classes and you learn and you've even done like the professional level training. And But then when it comes to you're in the moment and it's like, oh, what do I say now? <laughs> what? Where are all my tools? Like you look exactly. down and your tool belt looks really full, but you can't find the right one. <laughs> I guess I'd like to hear a little bit more about how you feel he's doing. So you said he's overwhelmed to some degree. He's doing a lot of new things. So he's really, you know, and if if you're listening, you don't know, sober living when you're 18 is depending on the program, but for the most part, it's like you're living life, you're doing your thing. You just happen to have a little bit more structure around you where you're not living with a roommate who's drinking every night or whatever. But it's, yeah, like you said, it's adulting, like they're, they're doing it. And so tell me a little bit more about what you think is going on with him from that standpoint. I had a sense that he might feel that way even before he transitioned, because when he left our house, he was 16, and what this probably isn't healthy, but we were doing everything for him. You know, we were we were doing his laundry, we were cooking his meals, we were, and then he transitioned to wilderness and Telos, and at Telos he got some life skills for like just a few weeks, but he did not get practice cooking his own meals, going to the grocery store, figuring out what he needs, um, and you know the the times that he was in school in high school, which which is more of a higher level um, class, he was high most of the time. Yeah. So now he's in college, which is which is different and more requires more studying and work. And he's not high, so he's realizing this. this he's feeling the stress of it. He's not numbing to the stress of it. He also he. Um, has ADHD. So executive functioning is something that has never been super his favorite thing. It's not his favorite thing. He's got many gifts, but, and then he's also working and he's trying to balance out a schedule, like make his appointments, organize everything, go to his doctors and then, and then go pick up the prescription from the pharmacy and just all those things that we just used to do. He is now doing. And I, I had a feeling he would feel overwhelmed and that was kind of the push full of like, how much do I come in and and help him? And then how much do I pull back? So one thing I am doing, and I'd be curious your thoughts on this, is, you know, Apple, you can do a family schedule. And so I created a family schedule and his dad and I and him are on it. And I asked him, I said, hey, you know, how would you feel if I just put all your known appointments, he has a standing appointment with his therapist. He's got IOP the same days. He's got certain things that are the same. And I just put it all in the family calendar for you. And then you could just look at it. And he said, and he said, sure. So he didn't push back on that. And I and I told him, I said, 
if, if ever this doesn't feel helpful, you just tell me I'll stop doing it. But I thought that's one way I could help as he's starting to kind of build his skills without, you know, coming in and taking over or doing it for him, which is my, which is my past pattern is I would come in and take over and do it for him. Well, that sounds, it sounds like a really healthy launch into that to say, hey, and you know, we talk about this a lot in the communities to, to ask our kids, what would feel supportive to you? Because I know what I think would be supportive. Like, I think it would be really great if I did this for you, if I took care of that, or if you did da 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 But we don't know for them. So I think asking that, it sounds like you've had some of those conversations. And, and asking that permission is just really, I think, respectful to say, and I've done the same thing, like, hey, I notice like when we talk, you feel really overwhelmed by the scheduling thing. How could I help there? So that they know that it's a optional, that we're not just bulldozing in and like, here, I'm going to do this for you. And and it may, I think it's one of those things that sometimes we have to have that conversation ongoing to say, hey, let's try this calendar thing for like two weeks and we'll just check back in and see how it feels. Because it may just still be overwhelming for him or if he's like, like I know my son with ADHD or ADD, he can't look at schedules online. He has to have a whiteboard with it on the wall where he's writing it because having it on the computer is just way, just does not work. So it's some, even some things like that where you could think about, are we even using the right format or the right, you know, kind of construct for this? Absolutely. But I, I mean, I know you guys have pretty good communication. Does, does it feel like you can have some of those conversations to say, my tendency, buddy, would be to come in and do X, Y, and Z. It because that I'm the crazy mom. That's just who I am, and I love you to pieces. But I'm recognizing that that might not be helpful, so I'm going to resist doing that thing. How could I actually be helpful to you? And they may say, "I got it. I got it, mom." You know, I don't I don't need that. And then we have to respect that just like if it was a coworker, right? Or okay. a client or a neighbor. If you said to your neighbor, Oh, it looks like your grass hasn't been mowed for three or four months and you know that they have a broken arm and right, you can sort of make some assumptions, but then sometimes assumptions are really dangerous as well. So you know, keeping those conversations going, but just erring on the side of taking ownership of our desire to control and take over. <laughs> I love that. I love that because I have no problem telling on myself. I have no problem saying, this is my anxiety that's coming through because I love you so much and I want you to be okay. So I fully own that. And would it be helpful if I did this? And you can say, no, mom, that won't be helpful. And I will not take offense right. at all. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And and then that just gives him the knowledge that, you know, there is support there if I need it. And and sometimes also, and I'm sure that these might be conversations that you've also had, is to share what struggles we have. Um, because I think we forget often our kids are watching us. And what I hear from a lot of the people that I talk with on the podcast about who are in recovery 
are like, yeah, you know, I just looked at my parents and I figured they had it all together. Like I couldn't, I just couldn't ever imagine myself getting to that point because my parents always did everything right. And they always had the right answer and they, you know, they knew how to handle things. And so when our kids are struggling like that, sometimes just being able to relate and say, man, you know, when I get overwhelmed with my schedule, this is how I feel. And we don't even have to tell them necessarily how we resolve it, because sometimes we want to do that. Like through osmosis, we want them to pick up on like, ooh, if I tell them like, this is how I manage it, maybe we'll do that. Right. But just to be able to provide some of that perspective of like, man, I get so overwhelmed sometimes or I get so anxious about this. I can imagine it must feel really overwhelming to now be doing all of the stuff that your dad and I used to do for you. That must be a lot. Yeah. And then shut our mouth. And then and then stop. Yeah. We don't have to solve it. We can just say that must be a lot. And then he'll have the opportunity to respond to that. And and also just acknowledging, you know, this must be a really hard time to be 18. We know the challenges that we had, but we don't know what it's like to be 18 in the year 2023. But just validating how hard that must be. And then it could also be validating what's kind of cool about it. Like what's cool about being 18 in 2023? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Like even just generating just some more discussion, like what are the hard parts? What are the cool parts? And just being able to open up that dialogue. So, because sometimes our conversations can get, well, I feel like our communication has gotten so much better and I feel like we do have good relationships. Sometimes our communication can get just focused on what's the next thing. Like, okay, get registered for school. Okay, pay that ticket. Okay, you know, whatever it might be. And and we don't get into some of those more enjoyable conversations. Like, what's it like being an 18-year-old in 2023? You know, just some more of those getting to know how we think kind of conversations. Yeah, and also getting to know him because like you said, it's been two-ish years since yeah, he left your house and think about all the things he's done and learned and the people he's met. And he is much more mature than he was two years ago. Like we have seen the growth and maturity in him, you know, and, and even if I think about it, you know, I knew the, the sweet Jake as a child. And then when he moved into teen is when he started getting high. So he was high all the time. And so his sweetness is back, but along with more maturity and growth. So it's it's in some ways it's 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 the Jake we know and love, and in some ways it's new. It's a new Jake too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and sharing that with him, hey man, you know, buddy. I don't know what people call their kids, but like it's so cool to see you go through this and and see that transformation from high Jake to wilderness Jake to treatment Jake to now like all the cool stuff that you're doing and and just sharing that you have witnessed that transformation in him and the growth and also that it's not always going to go perfect and that you know it's not always going to go perfect because that's the other thing I think is 
as our kids move through these different stages in treatment and in sober living, there's, I think they feel, this is what I hear, a huge amount of pressure. Like, I know my parents just spent an insane amount of money to get me to where I am today. They are aware of that. Um, And I don't want to screw it up. And at the same time, I have these different struggles and, you know, it's awesome that he can call and tell you about speeding tickets because a lot of kids wouldn't do that. They would just kind of, you know, like, oh, oh I don't want to, I don't want to share that. I want to just shift for a second and talk about you. Me. <laughs> you. I know a little bit about you because you're one of our rock star members, but um, I know you have anxiety and you've been working on that so much and there's this kind of like you talked about this dance that you're doing of how much do I step in? How much do I pull back? How much do I let him do it? If you weren't doing that dance in your head, what would you be using that time for? Oh, man, that's a really good question. So often things that are going on in our lives, like the st- like uh, the way I relate to Jake sometimes is very much the way I relate to life, right? So Right now, I um, am looking at making some changes in my life, but I'm not sure yet, you know, if I want to. So I'm feeling that push and pull right there. But I think if I was able to have just that space, just that peace and that space, I would read a lot more because I really love to read. I feel like I, I don't ever, quote, have time but it's because I don't make time to read. I would be out in nature a lot more. Um, I do feel like I, I get some really good time to pray and meditate. Both of those things are super helpful and important and grounding for me and just sort of like daily, kind of just like daily bread for me. And I would probably just do more fun things, like be adventurous and go out and do fun things with friends and and that kind of thing is probably what I would do. What do you notice about how you are when when these things like reading and nature and fun are a little more absent? It's usually because I feel unrest or I'm not at peace about something. Like I'm spinning inside um, and I can't rest. Um, and that's a familiar feeling, right? Like that's that's sort of the, the it's that sense of like, always in our life, there's a level of uncertainty. This is going on. This is going on. This is unknown. This is, you know, there's always something in transition. And that's hard for me to sit with transition. I like things to be like tied up in a bow. Right. And that's why, that's why I'm a fixer. That's why I used to fix Jake all the time. Right. Like I, I didn't like chaos. I don't like chaos. And so I like to have everything in its place. And so I think for me, it's learning how to be at peace in the chaos. Our chaos now looks different than it did when Jake was active in his addiction, but there's always going to be a level of chaos in in our lives, anybody's lives. And so how do I be able to enjoy and have joy and laughter and fun even when there's uncertainty, even when there's places in my life that are in limbo?
Hey, did you know Hopestream Community is a nonprofit organization? And we are so happy to provide financial scholarships to over a quarter of the parents who use our services. We have our first ever giving campaign happening right now. And if you're a podcast listener and you've benefited from the content here, we would love it if you'd help us keep this as a free resource for parents. We're all about action at Hopestream Community. And over 84% of our members say they have noticed an improvement in their relationship with their child since joining. And over 69% believe their child has accepted help in one form or another as a result of their experience with us. So we know lives are being changed and we want to be able to help even more parents. If you're able to give to our Year of Hope campaign, please go to hopestreamcommunity.org forward slash donate to learn more. Thank you. Now back to the show. He was kind of your project. Repeated. Now the project is working on himself. And so he doesn't need a project manager as much. Right. Right. And so, you know, he may need a supervisor every once in a while to check in with and get some ideas from. But really, like if you can kind of think of him as, oh, my project has launched. And and now he doesn't need the project manager. We, especially as moms and dads too, but especially as moms, we get used to a level of unrest and uncertainty and anxiety that's super high, that is super unnatural. And it's been high for so long that we have forgotten how to function and how to how to bring it down. Yes. And also, it can be because now that project is missing. It's kind of like, oh, well, now what? And I know we don't think about that consciously, but kind of subconsciously, it can be like, well, that thing that I was so focused on and I needed to be, and it's not that it was wrong for you to be focused on helping him. But now that that is sort of like, woof, okay, in a pretty good place, and the project is managing himself, now where do I spend that energy? A lot of times as women, we don't naturally go, oh, I could spend it on myself. Like, what a novel concept. <laughs> but we, we can. Now having a little bit of that space available. And you talked about reading and doing some fun stuff and nature. Is there anything else that when you kind of step back, if you were to go back to the 30,000 foot view? Yeah. Is there anything else that you would say in a year I would love to look back and go, ah, yeah, I made that change. Like now I'm here. I used to be here or do this or think this or feel this. And now I'm this other way. Is there anything else that is kind of rumbling around in the back of your head? When I'm able to connect back and say I am living congruently with my value system, then whatever else is going around me, I'm more able to tolerate. Also, when I feel like I'm living in a way that's congruent with my boundaries, what I, 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 I can and cannot have in my gate, so to speak, whatever anybody else's response to that, I'm okay with, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's when I feel like I've either 
I'm either living in a way that's not congruent with my values or I haven't set a boundary that I really know would benefit me and the other person. I spin more. I get, I feel more anxious and I spin more. So when I'm, when I'm living in a way that's congruent with what feels right to my mind, heart, body, and soul, I, I'm at more peace, even, even if there's chaos going around me. So that's where I'd want to be. I'd want to be in a place where more often than not, most of the time, I know nothing's perfect, but most of the time I'm living congruent with, with, with my value system. Talk a little bit more about the, the values that are really important to you that you would like to make sure you're, you're living congruently with. So the work that I do, because I, I specialize in work coming alongside men and women who struggle with eating disorders, a value of mine is nourish, that we nourish our bodies consistently and we get enough in and that we nourish our bodies with freedom, right? That we can eat what we want, when we want, without fear and guilt. So for me, what that means for me is that I eat all foods and I nourish myself consistently. I don't skip meals. Um, and then along with that is I get adequate sleep. I ensure a lifestyle that gets me to bed on time, that I have time to re- to, to unwind and relax and, and get, you know, a good, you know, seven to nine hours of sleep, that I um, maintain healthy friendships and spend time with the people who are my people because that to me creates a, a, a body kindness. Like body kindness is a value of mine of just – creating a life that is kind to my body. I don't know if this is a value, but just a sense of a value is maintaining maintaining my relationship. So like I think maintaining that relationship with Jake, that no matter how his path, wherever his path leads him, that that I can I can say like the the words I'm using with him, the way I'm interacting with him creates somewhat of a safety that he feels like he can talk to me about things. Yeah. Um, and, and that way with anybody, really, anyone important in my life yeah. that I really care about. I love your values. I think those are so great. And what I love about them is that they are measurable, actually. You know, like you can tell if you're not living within those values. What would you say you struggle with more, um, kind of living within your values or setting and holding boundaries? Probably setting and holding boundaries. I feel like when I was younger, it was harder for me to live within my values. As I've gotten older, I've just gotten much more set and and protective. But the boundaries are harder for me because re- because I am such a relational person. I really like being in relationships with people that I'm. Sometimes I'm. I will not say no when I really want to say no because I. It's not even that I want to please that person. It's it's more I just I want to be with that person, and I'm just kind of losing. I'm unaware that I that's not going to be healthy for me to stay up that late or add that to my schedule or do that extra task for them or you know that kind of thing. Yeah, it was really hard for me with Jake to set boundaries um, when he was at home. I was just so worried. I was willing to do anything. And actually I've had to set logistical boundaries of, because I know how vulnerable I am. So 
you know, I, if, if I know that there's going to be like an asking of something from me that I, I might not be able to say no to, I, I don't respond for a long period of time until I can let my no be really a strong no. Um, because I know my vulnerability. I know that I'm not ready. I'm not that strong yet in the moment just to say no. So I, I have to have that buffer for a while. The response cap. Yes. The magic response cap. (laughs) Yes. I wish I could like package that up and sell it. I'd probably be a billionaire. When, when you think about kind of what's coming up in the next, you know, months, um, with Jake and everything that he's, you know, going to be dealing with and where you are and what you have going on in your life and some of those decisions, how do you think you can make some space for some of the fun things that you want to do, some of the, just to make sure that you have the headspace to align with your values, continue to work on your boundaries. What what works for you as far as making space in your life? I have to put it in the schedule. So for for like, I have friends that I meet with for dinner and we've been also doing things like Instead of meeting for dinner, we go for like, you know, a day hike or rock climbing or kayaking or something like that. That's like it's planned in the schedule. And and I wouldn't do it otherwise. I wouldn't do it if I wasn't doing it with a friend, even though I've always wanted to. And so that just like helps me do that. Going on the retreat. I'm very much looking forward to going on the retreat. I know. I'm so excited. Being in Park City in the fall. I, I cannot wait. I'm visiting friends. I'm I'm doing more trips and visiting good friends. And one boundary that I have set that has been hard is Jake originally wanted to come home in August. And I don't feel comfortable with that because he's still not settled, completely settled in his life there. And um, his risk of, you know, coming home going out with his friends who all smoke pot regularly doesn't feel right. And I just didn't feel like I can support that. Now, he's 18. He could do what he wants. However, one of the things, you know, I have said is I won't I won't support that. And what I would support is maybe in October after it's been a couple months, you're settled in, you've, you, you know, kind of the, the hustle and bustle and figuring it out has sort of settled a little bit, you know, then you could come back, right? He was wanting to come back for two weeks. I said five days, right? You know, things like that. And it's not that I don't want to see him. I'm going to go out and visit him. I want to see him. So basically what I had to say is like, you you couldn't, you couldn't stay with me if, if you did that, which was very hard because I, I can't, you know, I'm his mother. Like, you know, just want to pull him in. And if it were any other situation, a mother would say, of course. She couldn't come home and stay home as long as she want. Right. Like any other situation, a mother would say that. But in this situation, it's the more loving thing to do to set that boundary. 100%. How did it feel when you were able to come to that? Because I'm sure you you thought of many different iterations of what you might do. And then when you landed on, okay, this is what I can support and this is what I can't support. And then you communicated it. How did that feel to you? Um, it felt hard and good at the same time. It was really hard because he said, you don't want me to come home, Mom? And I, I said, 
absolutely, I want you to in in a really good place, in a very solid place. And so that's the element of time. And so it was both hard, but it also felt really good. I also, because I know my vulnerability, the, the times that he had thought he was maybe going to come, I'm planning trips to be out of town. So that way I don't have the part of me that would melt and say, okay, you can come stay with me. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Well, in doing that work in advance so that you've already set yourself up and you've created those conditions under which you will not be vulnerable and you won't be tempted is so healthy, right? It's just it just saved you all the stuff that you know could happen. And it's it's such a sign of development and growth on your part. Do you recognize that? You know, now that you say it, I can receive it. However, it you know, it's hard when you're with yourself 24-7. Yes, it is. <laughs> to notice. And also, I'm feeling all the feelings inside, like the feelings of the angst and the spitting and the, right? Yeah. yeah. But it does no. feel good to set the boundary and it does feel good to know my limits too, to just know my limits and to make a decision that will help protect me. Yes. And you know that what you're doing is you're setting, when you set a, a boundary like that, as far as you, you're welcome to come home, but you won't be able to stay with me, is you're not doing that to punish your son, right? You're doing that to protect yourself and what you know you need. And also there is um, an element of of hoping and that you know some about what would be good for him and that that might not be good timing. And sometimes we need therapists and people like that to help us, um, like his therapist to help figure that out. But the primary reason for you doing that is that you know that would not be a good experience for you, for your mental health, your physical health. And that's what I think is so hard to communicate about boundaries um, and why I'm so grateful for you to share that is sometimes you just need to hear an example of a real life boundary that somebody set that you can go like, oh, okay, that makes total sense. Alice isn't doing that because she's trying to punish her son. Like, you can't come home. It's for all the right reasons. What would feel supportive to you as far as thinking about this um, this dance of leaning in, leaning out? Um, do you feel like you have a good kind of go-to plan or should we talk through that a little bit more? Because what I'm wondering is when you get the desire to become the project manager again, which right. you already have a full-time job, so you do not need to add project <laughs> manager to your list of things, um, what will you do to resist that urge? I like your idea of the asking permission. That That one is like, if I'm thinking something and I ask permission, then right there, that that is like a good sort of, if I'm thinking something could be good. I also, one other thing that we did is we set up an appointment with his therapist just to say, what are best ways to support him and and not support him based on what your, your work with him. Um, and then let's say all of that is, and I'm just spinning, I feel like just going to my friend's um, going to support people, going to the stream group, you know, just being able to not necessarily, I don't like the word vent, but like run things by y'all. Like, mm -hmm. hey, this is, 
I'm kind of, I'm toying with this and being able to get feedback. Because sometimes when I get validation and feedback, that really soothes my, soothes my soul. Like when someone says, oh yeah, that sounds, that sounds right. Or we did that. And this is kind of how it turned out on our end in our experience, right? Like that's always super helpful for me. Yes, definitely getting some perspective is good. And, you know, I think it's so great if he does want to involve you in some of the the work is to use language like, hey, do you want to brainstorm some ideas? Or you want to do like a little mini workshop, which workshop might be a little too structured. But sometimes just knowing like, okay, we're not, we don't have to set out to solve this problem. There's so many different ways to provide support with, you know, like a coach or a mentor or a life coach or, uh, you know, some different ADHD tools or whatever it is, using motivational interviewing to have him come up with what would be supportive. People believe what they hear themselves say. And so if he can be the one to say, well, maybe I could try this or I used to do this and I really liked it then, you know, you're just the one who's sort of like there to pull it out of him and to help broaden his um, his thinking through a little brainstorming session or through a little like whiteboard session, uh, because then he has that agency over himself and his decisions. I like that. I like that. I like that too, just even just opening the door for conversation so that he can come up with the ideas because really, quite frankly, his ideas are always better than mine. And, you know, they're because they, they fit what he needs and they fit his situation and he knows himself better than anyone. And so, like, his ideas are usually brilliant. Um, and so allowing and just opening the door for him to come up with those ideas um, and then validating him and and his journey and how um, treacherous this journey is. Yeah, it's a lot of work. I mean... I, you know, the more I talk with folks on the podcast who are in recovery, who are adults, and they say, are you kidding me? Your son got into recovery at 19? What? I mean, when you talk to somebody who's done it and they hear about these young people who are, and again, there could be lapses or whatever. And I think it's super hard for somebody who's 17, 18, 19 to say I'm going to be sober forever. But to have that mindset and to be working on that at such a young age, when you think about the fact that his brain isn't even fully developed, like his frontal lobe is still in the remodeling phase. So imagine when he's 20 or 21, you know, my son would tell me at around 21, 22, you know, I feel a little smarter every day because he could actually feel the difference in his brain. So to have a substance-free brain, to have a brain that is, you know, healthy and in a good environment and working on new things, and then it's actually like the wires are connecting. Holy cow, it's amazing. But the work that these young people do at this age I think is pretty astounding, actually, because the pressure that they're under. Yeah. And then also the culture with social media and how that impacts how they feel and their brains and, and just all of that as well. Yes. I mean, they they live in a culture that is literally soaked in 
THC, alcohol, and you, you know, apparently if you look at social media for young people, you can't have a good time unless you have those things included. So right. I just, I think it's, we cannot reaffirm them enough when it comes to their decision to even be working on it. And if there's a lapse, like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You're right. The culture, the culture tells us like, you don't have a good time unless you're drinking. You don't have a good time unless you're smoking pot. You and and why not just have, just have one it's no big deal and it's all over and it's, and now it's all over social media so anytime they get on their phone they're seeing it too and so to say no to all of that at he's 18 and age 18 takes a lot of energy takes a lot of energy huge energy yeah if that's all he did all day long for the most part at this stage <laughs> that would just that would be amazing yeah yeah Well, my dear, I cannot wait to see you in two months. Give you a hug and we'll be retreating in Park City. It's going to be so surreal because I feel like I know you all so well and yet haven't met in person yet. And I'm I'm just, I'm I'm counting down the dates. It's going to be so great. It's so great. And if you're listening and you want to get in on a retreat, this, if you've been on the fence about joining this would be the time because you do have to be a member to come to our retreat, but we all hang out together. We have so much fun. We do amazing things. It's not sad. Everybody's like, ooh, that sounds like it could be kind of sad. It's like, oh, no, no, no. We have so much fun. So awesome. Okay, well, I'll let you get on with your day. I'm so glad we did this and have a good rest of your afternoon. All right. You as well, Brenda. So good to talk with you. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, that is it for today. If you would like to get the show notes for this episode, you can go to brendazane.com forward slash podcast. All of the episodes are listed there and you can also find curated playlists there. So that's very helpful. You might also want to download a free ebook I wrote. It's called Hindsight, Three Things I Wish I Knew When My Son Was Misusing Drugs. It'll give you some insight as to why your son or daughter might be doing what they are. And importantly, it gives you tips on how to cope and how to be more healthy through this rough time. You can grab that free from brendazane.com forward slash hindsight. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. And I hope that these episodes are helping you stay strong and be very, very good to yourself. And I will meet you right back here next week.